If one, two, three. Testing, testing, testing. Excuse me, man. The allergy got me nuts. So I'm not to run. <laughs> Was this for me? Yeah, I don't, don't need to spend time on it. Uh, just to kind of shake out of this moment of attack. Uh, I don't know, you have any specific any thoughts about where to start today? Um, I had uh, it's Labor Day. Talking about work. Well, I had work. Um, how long does it give you? Um, I think it's a good idea to talk about work, actually, just because of the day. Um, but, uh, and I also thought that what I was thinking about, you probably ought to think about before talking about it. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but just some stuff I've been reading. I'd be interested in knowing what you think about God, about, um, The concept, the fact, if it is one for you, the, the, you know, do you believe, why do you believe, what kind of uh, yeah, entity, I mean, I don't mean to make these stupid questions, but no, I, uh, um, uh, kind of, uh, is it personal, Is do you have a relationship with God? Is it somebody you talk to? How do you talk to him or her or it or uh, and yeah. it's the kind of thing that gets talked about in kind of um, what I find to be really um, false or not false. It's there's a set of rules if you're sitting in church or with church people about how you talk about God. That, you know, it's this... And, and maybe it has to do with the sacred for you, you know, in terms of how you talk about that. But but that's one thing I was... I mean, I, I've been thinking about a little bit, so... Well, let's start with that because it... But, but I say that just, I mean, sometimes... An issue takes a while to percolate, and so I wanted to put it in your mind for maybe next time. If, if no, well, on generally speaking, I, that's a good point. Uh, uh, I'd like to detail it more in my mind, but 
Um, it, it seems like you've been I, thinking I'm, about I'm always, since I coached football, into what Dewey, I think it was Dewey, called the whole part whole method, uh, which I discovered in football is, uh, is the way to coach. Um, by that, I think we're still in the hole. Namely, we're bouncing on all kinds of things here that for me, for you, for the world, whatever, describe the whole, we haven't gone into details. Yeah. And then we wrap it up with a whole. Yeah. That, That's okay. how I coach football. Yeah. And, and, and my thought is this, is that in some respects, this conversation could go on for a long time. Um, and so, you know, the whole part whole doesn't have to have all the whole out there before you deal with the part sometimes. Yeah, sure. Um, and then we've done that yeah. in some respects. So. But, uh, but I agree. basically, to, to hold it on the God part, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm struggling now where I even start, but I, 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 a couple of things, right or wrong, good or bad. Uh, first of all, the work thing's fine because I, uh, uh, whatever, whatever the God trip is, uh, there's no way that that can be separated from the real world. For me, okay. Um, the world has always had gods. Uh, of all kinds up there, um, and the gods have danced and jumped and played and this and that, Dionysius to Zeus to all of them, <clears throat> Allah. But they, they don't touch the real world at all. It's, it comes out mysticism and uh, stuff like that. So that's really whole now, okay. Um, the I do want to say some things about belief and uh, faith, religion and faith. Uh, if, not if, I mean, God can't be... People have said, oh, well, I don't believe in God, or I think God, I did God, this God, millions of years, or whatever. God's still God. <laughs> it's not just, um, I'm not saying this well yet, but hang in there. Um, my head, my brain, says that uh, we either hear by chance, necessity or life has meaning uh, there's no way I can accept the, the form um, hence every every act by every human to me has meaning Uh, now what's become interesting 
This is really old. Okay. Uh, for the last 40 years, especially for me, is the globalization uh, of our world. Uh, today's little thing. Spread of capitalism, global economics lead to overseas job opportunity. I mean, I've been talking this global shit for 20 years, and the John Fishers and the Jody Kretzman poo pooed the hell out of it. Um, it's not unrelated to the disappearing act. Um, but uh, from whence comes the source of meaning? Uh, one time it came from the east, came from the west, or the north, or the south, or, or, or uh, this ethnic group, or that ethnic group. Uh, the source came from being white, or whatever. Uh, with globalization, and use your imagination, it came from being sacred, if you will. It came from nature. Uh, Galileo, who was the pet scientist for the cross and the crown, both looked in that telescope and said, shit, man, we're moving. I'm making this a little <laughs> They were moving. With that statement, he, if he hadn't been close buddy with the cross and crown, would have been dead instantaneously. Instead, he was locked the rest of his life in a little room without a pen or a pencil. He made a serious boo-boo. Because prior to that time, nature was the ground of all being. It was the source, it was the strength, it was everything. Um, and the moment he says it's moving, means it's not stable, it's not the answer anymore. Uh, I hope my simplistic stuff makes sense. Uh, um, <clears throat> and uh, prior to that time, and a long residue, people could use nature like we have can't use it today. I mean, they could do things with nature and wood, and Lord knows what, that uh, cooking, whatever, that we can't even come close to. They could tell the weather better than any living human being today so forth. But what they didn't know was that nature is a system. Uh, and by system, I mean you touch one part and it affects the whole. Um, and they had no concept of that. Um, Nature was a sacred, the sacred sun, which sent young boys into battleships in a kamikaze plane to their death, uh, or the moon. 
that's a major subject to work um, but nature was nature is what gave universal answers gave meaning to life uh, I can't accept that anymore in a way in a way thanks to technology technology now controls an awful lot of nature including human nature more and more we take a pill and we're not depressed anymore seriously we take a pill and we don't have to worry what I worried a lot about uh, just in dancing that I'd get a girl pregnant you know uh, I would take a pill and you don't have to worry about that anymore um, that was a big worry prior to the pill <laughs> it, it, it dictated life it made sex a sacred mm -hmm. uh, it controlled everything as Freud um, and all the taboos um, uh, <clears throat> but nature gave meaning I, I've uh, just a little thought on that is it it occurred to me, or somebody told me once, or something, is my generation, the one who came of age in the late 60s, is the first that was born with sulfa drugs and birth control pills and, you know, I mean, no, no disease. Happy pills. You know, yeah, I mean, all that stuff. And it's like... It, changed, it may have changed in some ways how people thought about sex. I mean, it was before AIDS and after syphilis and gonorrhea and sulfur drugs. You know what I mean? It's like before sulfur drugs, which happened in what, World War II, really, or, um, then sex had two kinds of dangers. One is you get her pregnant, and the other is you get a disease. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I think it, it scared the shit out of you if you had any smarts. Well, and, and it's like my kids' generation now has AIDS mm -hmm. out there. It scares the shit out of them. And they're waiting for the magic pill. Yeah. Um, their hope is in technology. Yes. As, as the yep. whole third world is. Mm -hmm. um, but. Nature gave meaning. Now, nature is no more, uh, now that we know it's a system, uh, we can control the hell out of it. And we do. We control the hell out of our own. We, uh, uh, we can pick juries now, knowing the insides of human beings. Um, Etc. 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 Madison Avenue is dedicated to that. Uh, <clears throat> the polls are dedicated to that. The numbers. Uh, <clears throat> so, so much for nature as a sacred and a system. Now it's we're going back, and that's another major subject. We're going back to primitive religions, and and what is that? New Age and all the nature shit. Um, 
but uh, I now know clearly that uh, nature nature lives on on uh, killing survival of the fittest, and I'm not into that. I mean, that's if you want to go to nature, that's nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and nature doesn't know constraint. Human beings are human by being able to say no. Um, to sex because of AIDS or whatever. Venereal disease or whatever. Um, that's what makes human beings ability to say no. Animals, if it feels good, do it. Now we're adopting that <laughs> stupidly, but we're dehumanizing ourselves. But back to the getting closer to God thing, if I can. Um, I think I mentioned this before when um, when God spoke to a people. Now, one can call that a legend, fairy tale, or whatever you want. But a lot of real things happened from that fairy tale. Um, There there is such a thing as a people called Israelites, who are the most phenomenal ethnic group the world has ever known. They've turned out more infinitely more percentage-wise, musicians, scientists, any category you want to name than any other ethnic group. Um, The state of Israel is uh, causing, has been causing the world to boil for 50, 60 years or more. Etc. Etc. Um, and out of that people came Western culture, a Jew called Jesus. The fact that he was Jew was not unimportant. Um, whether it all started with a legend or not, but that legend or that voice said. You are a people. You have a beginning and you have an end. There is meaning in your life. Uh, To a world, prehistoric, paleolithic, neolithic world who's dedicated to the gods of nature and who had no problem in sacrificing people, good people, very important people. Uh, to the gods, they get the corn to grow, etc., etc. People were expendable. With this voice, um, Yahweh said, You are somebody. Out of that came the individual a la the church 
Westernization Christian Church. Um, when Paul on the road to Damascus, who is the chief headhunter of Christians, who was a leading Jew who could not believe that this motley group of us folks called Jews have been given the grace of God. Uh, on the road to Damascus, what came to him is, guess what? That grace of God is for all men and women. And it blew his mind. Um, and hence he went to the enemy of the Jews, the Gentiles, and, um, the Gringos, and everything else, and, and, and started sharing the good word. That this is yours too. Um, all of which I'm kind of, I guess, gradually saying that to your question, uh, we only know uh, about God through what God reveals, um, chooses to reveal. There's no way we can know God ourselves. Um, And uh, he has chosen to reveal it through his word, which is not only the written word, but word spoken from folks to folks, from him. Um, but man doesn't, man can't describe God. Only, only testify at best what's been revealed. Um, you know something, you know something. And that comes from belief. How can I say this quickly? Uh, take love of a man and a woman. It is possible for a man to do everything to his lover that one should do if you loved her. Candy, flowers, say the right things, do the right things, fuck the right way, everything. Uh, and he may not love her. And the only way, and she can't, she can't put it in the court of law that he loves me. Um, she can only believe that he loves her. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. uh, you can't prove it. You can't prove God. All the fundamentalists spend all their time trying to prove God. I found Noah's Ark. God, no, I can't believe that shit. 
big thing now is to prove that everything that's happened from Hodan's, what's his name in Iraq? Uh, what's the evil one's name in Iraq? Uh, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. All this proves the words of the Bible. Uh, what's happened in Egypt and Israel, it all proves God. You can't prove God. You, you can't prove that he loves me. You can only believe that he loves me. You can't prove it by what he does. My God, he's perfect. Does that make sense? The distinction between belief. Oh yeah. I mean faith. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a uh, yeah. I've always understood. Well, no, I haven't always understood. But, you know, it, it's always seemed, not always, but in my more you know my adult years, it seemed silly to me to argue about you know from either perspective that God exists or doesn't exist. It's uh, or, or that uh, you know and, and those kind of proofs because. It's set up to be a matter of faith. I mean, that's the way it's set up. And, you know, whatever you believe about God, your belief is just that. It's an act of faith. It's not a proof. Um, you know, either God created the world or, you know, a scientific point of view, the modern view is that the world was created by the Big Bang. Well, how'd that happen? You know, that's a matter of faith. See, that's what we started with. That's chance. No, I, I understand. And I'm saying, but but even that belief, that's a belief. Mm -hmm. That's not a proof. You've got, I mean, did God create the Big Bang? Well, you know, I mean, there, there's always, you can go back and back and back. And at some point, you reach a point where you say, I don't know. I choose to believe one way or the other. And so I I agree with you. I think it's it's silly to think about proving the existence of God or non-existence. But when you say it's silly, we have to recognize that we're absolutely in and out of the church surrounded by that silliness. Uh, I have a question, and you know, in my mind, I wouldn't say much about it. Uh, we're going to try to get funds for the whole top, and we're going to probably have plaques on this room was given by someone. So that all relates to the sacred. Uh, we have, I mean, I mean, I grew up in in churches where it's everywhere. I mean, uh, the pulpit, that twenty minutes in the pulpit was the pure word of God on Sunday morning. So much so that only a clergyman could get there who's been ordained by God. Uh, no layman could get in the pulpit. No woman could get in the pulpit. Only somebody that's been ordained by God and that's got a degree from seminary. Uh, the North X, you couldn't walk here. 
the chalice, everything, those are sacred objects. Of course, when I look at a chalice, I look at man's cruelty to man. I know where the silver came from. I know where the rubber tires that got it here came from. <laughs> um, and I know the the discrimination in the, in, the, in the union guilds that built the building that we're worshiping in came from the destroyed families. Um, but when I take communion, I'm also, now I understand what the grace of God is about. Um, I think the moment you make the chalice sacred and the narthex and the altar, that God's so small it isn't even funny. I mean, if you want a God that's big, just remember, our shit got all this stuff here, you know? And he still says, you're free. Yeah. That's a big God. <laughs> that's the one that wrote Amazing, and the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, you know, put 10,000 slaves to death, you know? Uh, you sound like a Baptist. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is with Baptists, uh, they got their rules, man, that are sacred. <laughs> and now it's, of course, the written word is the sacred. See, the written word, up until Luther and the boys, Swingley and all that at that time, the written word wasn't very important. As a matter of fact, the Bible wasn't allowed to be read. It was not allowed to be read even by most monks. wasn't allowed to be read. There was only a handful of folks that were allowed to read the Bible. And it had to be read in Latin. That was the sacred language. I'm not making this up here. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, Luther's contribution to human beings is that uh, he used the written word to say something's rotten in Denmark. Uh, any word says. Um, now, man quickly sacralized the book. So it is the sacred that's destroying Christian families from Christians to Christians today. New hermeneutics to the literalists, the fundamentalists, and so forth. They're splitting all over the place. Uh, they interpret the word right, interpret the word wrong. And the word is a written word. Well, if that were the case, and that's all we need to do is have factories turning out Bibles in every language and just shipping them out, you know. They got the word now. <laughs> <laughs> They're free. <laughs> um, um, but man has to have a sacred, and I won't go into that, but we, whenever through, through the act of the Creator, uh, sacred is desacralized, that when, when that voice spoke to a people, however it took place, whenever we now know there's meaning in life, Wherever that touch, the sacred cow, the sacred tiger, the sacred snake, or whatever, whatever, 
sacred nature, it desacralized it pretty blooming fast. Um, I'm not getting into those sacreds, but uh, and maybe I even said this, but I, I happen to know uh, top like three different tops, one in India and one in uh, one in Nigeria and the Highlands and one in New Guinea. All of them were missionaries with wonderful families for 30 years, 29 years. All of them came back beaten that um, they have wised up and what they did was simply fostered capitalism in those countries in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, well, I think they did a lot more than that, but all of them would tell me stories. I had a better grasp on the next step than they did. They didn't quite know what I'd been privy to. Uh, but when they baptized their 5,000, 8,000, having worked hard with them and learning the language with them, their language as well as teaching German, <laughs> whatever, uh, uh, they all, in one way or the other, said, now you, we can't baptize you, however, until something like this. It could be not in the marriage scene, but this is a for example. Until you get rid of nine of your ten wives. Um, mm -hmm. The moment they said that, or the moment they, the moment they took this nine-year-old dying kid from infections because he couldn't use water because of the sacredness of nature in a dry season. Use your imagination. I'm going fast. It's really hot. Um, and took him up to their hill where they had a well. Everybody else had a well. And started to bathe the kid. The mother took the kid screaming down the hill because that's a violation of their sacred and their religion. Uh, they didn't realize that A, the people need running water. B, very quickly, the running water and the outboard motor and clothing is going to be their new sacred, just as it became our sacred. Uh, they didn't realize um, what they're playing with in technology and science. Uh, I don't know if you're following me on this. Mm -hmm. They're playing with dynamite. Uh, A, they need the water. B, that's a sacred over here. Technique, technology, capitalism, democracy, all in one package. I'm jumping all over the map, but this comes to my head. Mm -hmm. uh, when I experienced the Japanese scene, 45, 51, and 67, I was over there, uh, and saw, saw how, how Christianity was everywhere after the war, everywhere, dynamite, everywhere, radio shows, everything. I wonder what the hell's going on here. And thanks to a young gal, I was going, okay. Uh, 
the Japanese assumed that technology, American know-how, was synonymous with Christianity. Well, I got to thinking, right on through up until the middle of World War II, democracy, technology, American know-how was synonymous with theology in every seminary in this country. Literally synonymous. Um, and the Japanese were smart. I mean, if we want to have a good life, we got to be Christians <laughs> in terms of comfort and know-how. And they've always liked know-how. Uh, now, uh, uh, about 51, they were beginning to discover I think the Korean War had something to do with it. Uh, I'm not sure. But you don't need to be a Christian to have American know-how on technology. Those two aren't the same. <laughs> and all of a sudden it became the least fertile Christian ground in the world. <laughs> it's gone to nothing. <laughs> uh, I think some third world countries are going through that right now too. Um, but um, so there was a reason I started on that. Um, but the missionaries didn't realize what they were doing. You were talking about you had a better grasp of what comes next than the missionaries did. Yeah, the missionaries didn't realize uh, that we were already in a new sacred. They were a traditional sacred. They still hung on to to get rid of nine of the ten wives. Uh, the new sacred would say egalitarianism. Okay, then I want nine husbands. <laughs> that would be the new way to look at it. Uh, they were in, very much into the traditional, which I don't fault them at all, and I don't have any problem with one man, one wife as a as an ethical way to approach things. Uh, but what they were saying to those people, they were looking at one and one as a sacred. In the beginning, it was this way, and God damn it, it's going to be this way. It's the way God wills it. That is not what God has revealed to me, and I think clearly. Uh, what he has revealed in the written word and otherwise uh, is that every moment is a new moment, that there are no answers in the Bible, none, that uh, freedom comes from the end, not from the beginning. The moment you say in the beginning it was this way, and that's the fundamentalists, then you're living in slavery, slavery to rules and regulations. There's no other way. In the beginning, there was only one man, one wife, and you didn't you didn't screw until you had a year of engagement or whatever. whatever. Uh, uh, now we're into rules and the law. That's totally opposite of the whole of Scripture. Take take a look. I'm not blind. Who is clobbered throughout the Gospels? Every Gospel, the perfect people, the Pharisees. They're the ones that are clobbered. Uh, 
Who does he spend time with? The son that leaves home and gets drunk and fucks and everything under the sun. That's who he spends time with. <laughs> and uh, the good boy that stayed home <laughs> didn't come out too well. <laughs> uh, uh, it's anti-law, anti-morality. Everything in the Bible is anti-morality. Um, It's about freedom and openness. And there are no answers. The minute there are answers, you are into a religion. All religions, including the Baptist and the Lutheran religion, are about answers. I grew up with answers. You get excommunicated from the world if you were 15 and had a baby, were pregnant. And not married. I mean, from the world. Because you're content. You contaminate us. Uh, that's a religion. Now the problem is, and I'm bouncing all over. This is the whole part. Oh, the problem is, thank God for religions. Uh, Without religions, we'd have chaos. Um, nationalism is the most dangerous religion today in my mind, next to Islam. Um, Christianity was the most dangerous religion in the world. Um, I don't want to rate these too much, but all religions I mean, Marx called it the most dangerous. All religions are violent. They either do violence physically or psychologically or spiritually. They do violence to individuals and collectives. But religions are necessary because there must have been a fall. There must have been something. Because we're not born, as Muslims say, we're not born perfect. Um, Muslims say we're born perfect and quickly contaminated by non-Muslims. And um, so there's a lot of truth in born-again stuff. That comes from the fact that we're born in the flesh. We're born um, on this side of the fall, whatever that was. Uh, I have yet to be with any, I've been with a lot of different kind of peoples and groups, and I. I ain't find any of them that's come close to being perfect <laughs> groups or leaders <laughs> um, that don't have a lot of shit tacked away somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, now, um, and, and you quickly can discern that in little babies too. <laughs> um, now in the garden, 
Only love was known. No sin. No hate. And as we get into the global and technology, I'm just bouncing again. I've said this before, I think, but uh, the eating, the eating of the fruit by by woman who was who was the finality of all of creation. Uh, that was about if you eat of this, you will now know there's a good and an evil. And uh, you will not know what good is, you will not know what evil is, but you will know there's a good and an evil. You'll know that there's life and death. Prior to that, that was not in man's, in the garden, it was not there. You only knew love. Um, now, by eating of the fruit, and knowing there is now a good and evil, the rest, everything that we have seen in history, written and recorded history, without exception, is about individuals and or a people who got the corner on what the good is. If you fuck with me, I'll kill you. Because I got the good and you're evil. Collectively and individually. It's called wars, domestic or national or whatever. Um, for When I observe that, it's nothing that anybody can observe. That um, and if you eat on this tree, you will surely die. Meaning, for me, that we choose now to play God. We, I like the words. We choose to be the creator instead of the creature. We were made to be the creature by the Creator. And so when I used the word in the 60s, dehumanization, uh, I guess that's what I meant without knowing it then, that when you choose to know the answers, then you're dehumanizing yourself. Uh, you're being something you're not. You're being the creator. You with me a little? Mm -hmm. It's really, I, I know this is corny, but Jim Young John, I don't know if you know the name. Mm -hmm. um, he was at all the parties. He was really a hot shot at those days. All the parties. And I was still invited to him because I was the football coach and ex-football coach. Uh, to the big time parties in this town.
And with Josh, he knew I was a radical, and he well, what what'd you bomb today, and all this, you know, you know, I kind of talk, and I would say something the opposite, you know, back to him. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine until I used the word dehumanize. I said, that's dehumanizing, Jim. He would, all of a sudden, it's not a joke anymore. He would totally freak out. It was interesting. I never forgotten that. Uh, I never put it together like the creature thing but, uh, at that time. But uh, that word was a sacred word. Negatively, I guess. It, I penetrated his sacredness there, not with the joshing before, but uh, I imagine there's all kinds of sacreds that there's one step you can't take, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, there's always one step you're not supposed to take. Yeah. Um, but the, the we're creatures. Creatures have no final answers, no absolutes on who's good and who's bad, including yourself. Have no answers. Only the Creator has the answer. Um, and, and the Creator has chosen to reveal to us in the written word, you don't know what the hell, who I am, what I do, when the where the wind blows. And you don't know. Okay. He has chosen not to give any answers because the thing that he called human beings wouldn't be a human being anymore. If we were given answers, then we no longer can create, invent, uh, and make history. All we can do is follow the rules and regulations and be robots. That's all we can do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. As to me, I, I think things have to make sense. Um, and uh, so we have no answers. And he did reveal. And I've experienced it in life, and I know you have too. He did reveal that we have only one command, and that is to serve our neighbor. And he decided, he shared who who is my neighbor. He gave parables on who is your neighbor, you know. And uh, it's Furman. <laughs> Furman is your neighbor. That's a good one for today, isn't it? He's my neighbor. I'm to love him. Um, now, you have to figure out, and I have to figure out, how do you love Furman? Or the rapist of your child? How do you love them? Uh, and there, I won't go into that at all, but there, I call it firmness with firmness and compassion. How do I love my three-year-old who 
cannot stop running into a busy street. I, with great fear, <laughs> will probably choose to spank the shit out of him after the tenth time. You with me? Mm -hmm. Maybe this will teach you. <laughs> Trying to get his attention. I've tried everything else. I've bribed, done everything. He still runs in the street. And uh, so what I'm saying there is, of course, our yes and no to our neighbor can be jail. It doesn't make sense to put him to death. It'll halt me. Um, even though I can make sense out of killing somebody, um, if um, you're stoned and crazed and coming in on me and my woman and you want her and you're about to finish this up both, uh, I am now in the realm of necessity, but if I can crack your skull with a baseball bat, I'll do it. The difference is I don't want to meddle. I killed a human being. I failed my neighbor. Um, there are times in which on this side of the fall, I'm not in the Garden of Eden. On this side of the fall, I don't have many other choices. I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't vote for hanging a horse thief out west where there were no, no law, no police, no sheriffs, and our families' lives depended on nobody stealing a horse. And there were no jails. <laughs> what do you do? Hang them. <laughs> but I don't want to meddle. I want to get on my knees and ask for forgiveness. It's the best I can do, Lord. I didn't know what to do. Um, and for the fundamentalists, they don't need that. That's what the, they don't need the cross. That's what the cross is all about. Paul said, that's part of Revelation. Paul says, the good that I know I'm supposed to do, I can't seem to do. Uh, the bad that I know, the good answer, the bad that I know I'm not supposed to do, damn, can't I help myself from can't doing help it. myself from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Who will save me from this? And he answered it with Jesus Christ. Uh, a death that, he died a death I'm going to finish with something kind of weird here. I want to go uh, pretty soon. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I, I don't think I've mentioned it to over two people. Uh, regarding work, my work was football traditional society. Uh, I had four kids. 
Uh, the combination of self-interest, uh, I don't like to be a loser, I'm a competitor, uh, and and I like to do a job well. That was Dawn Director too, so it's not just football. I work my ass off in the Dawn, way over and above duty. Um, but in football, I, I put in the hours, a hundred hours is nothing. I mean, I'd leave at 6 in the morning, and 12, I'd come and crash in front of the TV set to unload for an hour, listen to Johnny Carson's or something. Um, couldn't have been a worse father during the season, certainly. Um, but uh, I respected my family and wife. I was concerned with them. Uh, I was frugal for their sake because I didn't make much money. Uh, I fought hard on the off season to make up for a little bit, etc. Okay, my concern was there, but on on the surface it didn't look too good. <laughs> and uh, um, I came home one night and I'm cutting out a lot of lead ups and a lot of stuff. And um, I knew by a few words and actions that it was over with Lori and myself. It was a shock to me, absolute shock. Um, no word of divorce was mentioned, but that, that was nothing compared to the fact that it's over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it's an absolute shock to me. Uh, because I, I had had no clues, I wasn't told anything, these are not unimportant, I don't think, I wasn't told anything, and I really thought, what more can a man do? A man-man. <laughs> God! And uh, I was successful, uh, people were happy with that. So was I. Uh, and uh, so I, I was in I was in shock, and we went to bed. And this is hard to say, but I think you can figure it out. We both lied. We both laid there, lay. Lay there. What's the plural? Lay still? Yeah, we lay. Yeah. We both laid there. And good night. Good Nobody had said anything. Um, now I'm lying there, knowing that. And I'm, I'm sure of this. I could have turned to her, and I'm not talking sex sex now. Mm -hmm. I could have turned to her and really, really, truly kissed her goodnight. Not just kissed her goodnight, really kissed her goodnight. And it would be over. In, this, in a good sense. This problem would be done with. I could have really said goodnight. Whether that meant sex or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I couldn't do that. 
I could not do it. Here I'm in shock. I wanted more than anything that this this thing go away. And I know, I know in my heart and mind and my guts that I could make it go away by really truly saying goodnight to her. Not just goodnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not do it. And then I'm a thinker. <laughs> Why in the hell can I do it? I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I know it would end if I did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then all of a sudden, I've only had this twice in my life, all of a sudden, you know, all those billboards, which I hate to see and everything, all Jesus billboards, and he died for you, and this. All of a sudden, I realize that that those baptism words or whatever, whatever, he died for you. You know, you you memorize it. You heard it a million times. You get mad at it, and because it usually means other things to other people. And all of a sudden, I understood. I could not kill the pride of Walt Reiner. Is in my mind, and I. I think she was. She was wrong. Not in the fact that I was a lousy husband and father and everything else, but we never talked about it. You found me? Mm-hmm. I needed some clues. So she was wrong, you know. Uh, and my pride would not let me really say goodnight to her. And... And when push comes to shove, and I know that's true with passion too, whether Paul meant pride or passion, I don't know. Whether he went around screwing people, throwing themselves to him or not, I don't know. Uh, that not many of us escape pride and passion controlling our lives. Mm-hmm. The lives that we don't want it to control. You with me? Mm-hmm. We do, we really, I've called us, do things we know damn well we shouldn't do and watch the rest. And so for the first time, I really understood what it meant. He died for you. He died a death that I could not die. Uh, I can't kill my own pride and passion. Not me, myself. In time, I think I've gathered strength from the one that can kill it to rise above it. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it took it took something from the outside, not East or West or Nationals or American or Patriotism or anything. It took something from the outside to give me the strength to rise above it. Uh, I I can I can take pretty much. Uh, Certainly don't have the passion and sex I used to have, but I mean, passion is still there and pride is still there. But uh, uh, I can rise above a hell of a lot more thanks to uh, the sources. Does that story make any sense? Well, absolutely. Well, well, one other sequel to the thing. I want to know what the ending is, though. Huh? I want to know what the ending is. Oh, I went to bed. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Now there is an ending. There's no guarantee. My, uh, I would, I would 
yes, from what I know about Revelation, there's no guarantee that there's a happy ending to these things. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one, where the dining room table is now, was a little table, and, that's, and she dutifully brought me breakfast. And totally opposite of pride, when she came out, I can remember it, she came out and was next to me putting the breakfast down, my arm around her waist. I'll never forget it. And that broke it. That was it. It just, I couldn't do that the night before. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by really saying goodnight. <laughs> you know when it's there. Yeah, you know it. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, I, that was a heavy, that's a simple little story. Um, but, uh, and I think something happened to her. We were much more open with each other ever since. Never sat, we never really talked about it. But just, that's something else. I'm, human beings are not strong enough to come up to your loved one and say, I have failed you. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. It, that's, that's almost impossible. But what can happen is, and be alert to it, she might come along. This is out of date now. But she might come along and uh, say, would you like a glass of orange juice? That's our figure of speech, incidentally, we use. Uh, recognizing and not offering you a glass of orange juice she is, she is saying she's sorry for some things. And that's your responsibility to look for that, be alert to that. Don't expect perfectedness on either score. <laughs> None of us are going to lie prone in front of the other. <laughs> so I call it the orange juice thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, uh, you know, I relate to your story very well, but, you know, those kind of things happen in people's lives. Happen in ours. Mm -hmm. Where you're, you can't bring yourself to do things. What you know love ought to make you do. The beauty in my being pushed somehow, I don't know where it came from, was our tendency in those situations, obviously in the world and myself too, is to is to get rid of it by compensation. Get rid of my inability to do this, what I know I can't do by compensating and maybe the bare football game or something. I don't know what, you know, just compensate. Uh, but for some reason, I could not let go of my inability to do that. I could not let go of it. Uh, I don't think that happens very often. And it probably happened to me because of I was grounded and rooted in stuff that I would criticize today. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the well, word. You know, it, it's you're right. It's. I mean, I understand. I mean, I think I understand. You know, I think I've been in an experience like that, you know, where it's it's really the pride, you know, and and the the lack of knowledge of you know what's going on here, and uh, and even the you know, an arm around the waist or a touch or a gesture or something later on that wipes it out. You know, it's... Uh... I carried over to... I came home a little while later. How many, how many months later? I don't know. I'll never forget that. And uh, and I suddenly realized, you know, every time we sit at the... you heard this before. Every time we sit at the supper table, with the kids and everything, we're nicely doing it, but we're putting down people. I'm usually putting down Emery Bauer, <laughs> the coach who got in the way of everything I did. <laughs> and Lois putting down somebody. I, I said, you know, add it up what a kid gets in their life. <laughs> Stop! You'd be surprised how often we do this. Uh, um, and uh, we were both, both, both alert from that point on to that. Uh, we get our juices by shoving people down. We do it nicely, you know. <laughs> but I don't, it was an outgrowth of that experience. Uh, what What made you think it was over? In the good sense, you mean? No, 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 no. When you came home that night, you oh, said you realized... Oh, I can't. That's very hard. There was certain words, certain words and certain actions, just total coldness, total... The words were, uh, in a sense, I'm not... I can't take this anymore. I'm through with it. Stuff like that. I, I can't remember how it was said. But from that moment on, there's been there's been some growth. I I I like to believe uh, when Paul Meadows, who became vice president of the university up in Minnesota, shot me with a letter. Uh, six months later, he was dead, sudden cancer. Um, Paul was basketball coach. That's big time at BU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his basketball coach. And I was football coach, and uh, we didn't have we weren't buddies at all. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I had to fight him all the time. I mean, basketball could get anything they wanted. Here we are in the middle of a season, and it's raining buckets outside. We need the gym to prepare for this game, you know, and stuff like that. No, it's basketball practice. The game's five weeks away, you know, stuff. <laughs> God, no way. I fought everything like that. And uh, anyhow, I got the letter. Uh, he wrote a letter. He, he was vice president of the university. He said, well, I just want to say that. I've been wanting to say this for a long time to you. Makes Lloyd cry. You got to read the letter. Uh, but... Um, I watched you for two years, uh, and how I know 
you did 100% of the coaching, you organized everything, uh, and you got no credit for it. I'm not even, to this day, I'm not even, don't even have a coaching record on the big bulletin boards and so, um, uh, and, uh, I just, just want to say, I, I, I can't even remember how he said it, uh, how he really respected that and stuff like that. Uh, he said it, I can't remember, but more eloquently than you are. Now. Oh, <laughs> but that all kind of came from that moment. Uh, uh, when, when you really know you can't do what you, God, it's simple. All I have to do is reach an mm-hmm. What a chicken shit you really are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you know you're really a chicken shit, you, you start cooling it a little bit. Just self-justification, which is our number one problem, all of us. So, so I related those two stories because they, in a sense, were related. Um, I'd like to suggest, uh, I just want to make a couple comments on the work, that we continue both work and the God thing next time. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't think we... Um, on on the, the work thing, I think I've got another one. Tore some out this morning. That's the old one. That's a lot done. Oh, that's this morning, yeah. Um, uh, this I find everywhere all the time gap between rich and poor expanding. I mean, it might be here or there or somewhere, but I can find it in any newspaper in any country in the world. Uh, God, what think ye of that, you know? (laughs) You can have that, George. I don't want it. Uh, And that goes, whether you're Marxist government or any kind of government, the gap is growing. And and you don't have to be too smart to recognize that that is a crisis and dangerous as hell to grandkids, to kids, to people. Uh, things that are going on today are because of that gap. I guarantee you. Uh, now, Clarence Page, I always like Clarence. Um, uh, my problem with what he's saying here, well, I don't disagree with anything, and he puts down Newt, Greek, uh, Gingrich, and, and Toffler. They worship each other. Uh, Toffler's been my enemy from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both believe in mankind, that we'll come up with the answer. There's nothing on the horizon to, to justify that statement at all. Quite the contrary. <laughs> Quite the contrary. Um, now he's talking about the jobs and the nine to five things gone. You know, um, you got this one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and this over there, the spread of capitalism, global economics. The two things. This is stupidity. 
capitalism is a part of global economics. Capitalism is no more an ism that dominates. It's, it's a necessary piece of global economics, is what I would argue. And of course, I'm arguing from my mentor's help. And you wrote this 35 years ago. When every, when all the Clarence pages are, were taught in the horn of the secondary and tertiary effects of technology, how it'll be more jobs, more jobs, more jobs. And he's saying, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> and there's the gap. Where are those jobs, man? And um, so uh, the, your question on that is, uh, is a very important one for me. And, uh, and I, I'm, well, I'm going to try to, to uh, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt because I think a certain kind of groundwork needs to be laid for even talking about the question. But I'm also going to think about how to refine what it is on yeah, that'd be helpful. I'm interested in. Uh, that'd be helpful. In, I mean, having this discussion as a basis, I'll try to refine the question. Okay, as you look at the global thing, when, please understand, when there's a, when in fact, if we are, and I probably think we're into, uh, without, a, without a question, into a new sacred, which is global. It's a sacred. We worship progress. We're going that way from hell or high water. It's the hope of the third world, you name it. Okay. It's global. When something is global, when you don't believe in chance, or if you don't believe in man as the answer, I have nothing in history to back. If I were to believe man as the answer, I have nothing in history that would give me a clue how that could be the case. <laughs> I could only come out with war. Uh, now, if if we're not here by chance, if man isn't the answer, and nationalism is bullshit, take a look at what's going on. For one thing, globalization means that each nation can't get enough of technology to exist. Uh, it is only a spiritual trip, which they quickly put down once they're in power. Uh, and ask around. Uh, then, where is the source coming from for giving meaning in life? It, it used to be possible to say it's because I'm an Armenian. White, black, or Yugoslavian, or German. It used to be possible to say that, and you couldn't argue it too much. Uh, and, or Eastern, Eastern Orthodox. And and so when the when the uh, community on Chicago and Oakley built their Eastern Orthodox church, but made it very progressive American, now come the wave of middle class. World War II Europeans, and they built a true 
Eastern Orthodox Church. It went back to the real original. Only middle class can afford it because they were all bankers. Um, and there's a war between the two Eastern Orthodox churches, you know. Um, the one wouldn't let their kids speak um, Yugoslavian or whatever. They had to speak English, you know, the early immigrants. So, in the new middle class, recent, perfect uh, Eastern Orthodox Church, you can only speak, um, what's the what? Not Yugoslavian. Uh, Greek? Or no, not Greek. No, I can't even think very well. But anyhow, um, that's that big community. I think. Um, but uh, where it, you, I mean, all the religions are playing economic, ecumenical games today, and it's a bunch of shit. Um, unity is the big word with, the, with diversity. Only we really don't mean it. Uh, as long as we all buy McDonald's and Jordan shoes and we won. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, so the two are related. Your question on God, I believe, is very much related to uh, the New World Order. Well, I think, I think it is, and it's kind of I mean, it has to do with how we conceive of ourselves. Sure. We conceive of ourselves in relation to a... But when you have a... I have certain things. That's the new world order. Yeah, sure. Consume. Yeah. And And, uh, that's bullshit. But if it's bullshit, what what isn't bullshit? Yeah. Where is it at? What's the source? All right, what's on deck? Oh, ball game at three. Ball game at three, and I got. Meet Annie at Trinity.